Whether this is her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls, starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct is everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct, your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals, Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine you ask two people the same seven questions. I'm Mini Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including Courtney Cox, Rob Delaney, Liz Fair, and many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. From the Abraham Lincoln Radio Studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. So we're going to talk to Mike Lyons later this hour. I'm looking forward to that because Ukraine has made their biggest gains in six months. The war is only 15 months long, so that's something. And the NATO countries are pouring some of their best weapons, the very stuff that Germany, the United States, Great Britain said we would never give them. It'd be too provocative. We, we've now decided to give them. And and uh, the Russians are on the run to a certain extent. And we're shooting down hypersonic missiles and all kinds of interesting stuff to talk about. I'm not sure how comfortable Mike Lyons is talking about this. I'm looking forward to chatting with him. But uh, Putin is putting up with an enormous amount of guff from old Prigozhin, the head of the Wagner group. I mean, that dude is saying stuff in public nobody says. And even hinted at one point that, uh, yeah, maybe Putin's going to go if things don't turn around. Before he retracted it and said, no, 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 I was talking about the uh, the generals. But he used a nickname often used for Putin in Russia. God, I mean, this is such Game of Thrones, Shakespeare, whatever you want to look to throughout history. That guy who runs that, you know, his own private army out there. He might be signaling to others who he knows are probably wobbly on Putin. I'm the guy who's with me. Mm. Trying to get people lined up. Well, he clearly has a lot of leverage over Putin. He's the most effective fighting force Putin has, so that's number one. Number two... Well, I guess it's relating to number one. If if he decides, yeah, his men are going to take the week off. They deserve a little R&R. All of a sudden, Ukraine's going to run roughshod and you know and take back all sorts of territory. So, What if he then, just turns around and marches toward Moscow? Yeah, well, the Russian military hasn't shown much uh, ability to... Well, they can't outfight him. They might just 
outnumber him enough that that they could get. Or would they join him? Join the victory. Uh, that's entirely possible. It's like, uh, and I rarely quote Osama bin Laden, <clears throat> but uh, he used to say, yeah, people back the strong horse. So that's a, just from a, you know, international relations, political science point of view, that is a really interesting situation Putin's gotten himself into. God, so. I would say you could imagine Putin's chefs getting the word out, hey, you don't want to die? Join me. We win. We're not just going to run you at machine guns. Mm, although he has been. Well, although yeah. he could change policies, yeah. I'm not saying you have to be completely forthcoming as a oh, evil dictator. That's true. A guy who will execute a guy with a sledgehammer is probably prone to dishonesty now and again. <laughs> right. Exactly. I'm very naive. Uh, so more on that to come. Eh, a bunch of good stuff. I don't want to go hog wild on this stuff. I've been doing one of your deep dives into some of the science of sexual identities and and philias and and variations in um you know sexual practices and that sort of stuff and what's really interesting is how a lot of the scientists who have been studying this for a lifetime and have a pretty good understanding of it have been terrified into silence by the activist crowd right yeah you don't dare say no that person's got something really wrong with their head even when that's you know, self-evidently the case. Chris Rufo has been uh, writing about this stuff a lot, mentions that last spring executive at Texas Children's Hospital announced they would cease performing transgender medical procedures on children, citing potential legal and criminal liability. Uh, the hospital chief pediatrician and advocate for gender-affirming therapy abruptly, abruptly resigned, uh, but apparently they've gone back to doing it secretly and won't comment on it at the Texas Children's Hospital. Openly promoted gender-affirming care to its physicians, etc., etc. And what's really weird is that when the media says, asks, are you performing these procedures? What are the standards? Blah, blah, blah. The hospital says no comment. What? Since when do we have hospitals doing secret experimental procedures on children and get away with no comment? Well, since the so-called legacy media thinks no you're not if you're enlightened you you're in favor of gender affirming care yes listening to npr today and their tease was and i didn't hear the story their tease was how restricting gender affirming care for children often leads to restricting it for adults a give them an inch and they'll take a mile argument to continue to allow surgery for kids well that's why i believe children should be able to own guns and drive and and uh, and you know, pilot airplanes and a hundred. Because if you restrict a child's right to decide to become a pilot, soon they'll restrict adults. That's good logic. Sound. So anyway, I was reading about some of the uh, various paraphilias and super interesting. And maybe I'll share some of it with you someday. But um, I came across a, a reference to John Money and specifically the Which case, my name was John Money. Not after you hear this, you wouldn't. Um, and specifically the case of the uh, Reimer twins. I think that was their last name. Yeah. John Money was a New Zealand psychologist. Oh, it's probably worth noting that I'm going to read some from Wikipedia, which has an unmistakable leftward bent. 
He was a New Zealand psychologist, sexologist, and author known for his research into sexual identity and biology of gender. He was one of the first researchers to publish theories on the influence of societal constructs of gender on individual formation of gender identity. Money introduced the terms gender role and sexual orientation and popularized the terms gender identity and paraphilia. I had never heard paraphilia until you said it uh, 10 minutes ago. uh, But those other ones, that's interesting. He's the guy. In 1997, a large and respected academic study criticized Money's work in many respects, particularly in regard to the involuntary sex reassignment of the child David Reimer and Money's abuse of Reimer and his brother when they were children. I'll tell you more about that in a second. Uh, Well... David Reimer and and his brother were born twins, and they had a rare condition involving the foreskin, and it had to be corrected. Mm. And the doctor used uh, a technique that went badly wrong. Oh, my God. This is rough. This John Money moved in, and because his pet theory is that gender is a social construct, he convinced the poor parents We'll just build this young man a vagina, and you can raise him as a girl, and he'll be perfectly happy. And we'll give him hormones, and he will be a girl. He thought, this is my chance to prove my grand theories. How did the parents go along with that? Because they had this scientist, and who I don't know how bright they were or how educated or whatever. Um, Good God. Uh, no. No, don't need your help. Money persuaded the baby's parents that sex reassignment surgery would be in his best interest. The age of 22 months, he underwent uh, the uh, removal of his testicles. He was uh, reassigned to be raised as a female and name changed from Bruce to Brenda. Money further recommended hormone treatment, to which the parents agreed. Money then recommended a surgical procedure to create an artificial vagina, which the parents refused. Uh, et cetera, et cetera. Money then published a number of papers reporting the reassignment to be successful. According to the biography of David Reimer, uh, starting when Reimer and his twin Brian were six years old, Money showed the brothers pornography and forced the two to rehearse sexual acts. Money would order David to get down on all fours, etc., etc. I'm going to leave the rest out. Oh, my God. It's graphic. So the guy who came up with the terms that everybody uses again uh, uh, now was this guy. He was a Dr. Freaking Mengele. Well, and clearly a sex weirdo. When either child resisted money, money would get angry. Both Reimer and Brian recalled that money was mild-mannered around their parents, but ill-tempered when alone with them. Does that sound like any of the activists you've seen screeching at perhaps uh, Riley Gaines, who's trying to defend women's sports for women, and then beat her on the head? That sort of rage? Money also forced the two children to strip for genital inspections. When they resisted inspecting each other's genitals, money got very aggressive. On and on. Uh, one of the brothers died of suicide, the other of drug overdose, uh, before they were 40 years old, by the way. Um, well, yeah, let's get back to money's groundbreaking theories. Uh, money's writing has been translated into many languages and includes around 2000 articles, books, chapters, and reviews. He received around 65 honors and awards and degrees in his lifetime. Really? He co-edited a 1969 book, Transsexualism and Sex Reassignment, which helped bring more acceptance to sexual reassignment surgery and transsexual individuals. 
Money introduced numerous definitions related to gender in journal articles of the 50s, many of them as a result of his studies of intersex morphology. His definition of gender is based on his understanding of sex differences between human beings. According to Money, the fact that one sex produces ova and the other sex produces sperm is the irreducible criterion of sex difference. However, there are other sex-derived differences that follow in the wake, blah, blah, blah. According to Money's theory, sex adjunctive differences, etc., etc., Sex arbitrary differences. It's a choice. It's society. He's the father of this. And he was a monster. That is something. That's not very well known. And this is liberal Wikipedia telling these stories. Yeah, good point. Wow. However, you can resist the madness. And if you work at some woke company in a woke part of the country, I understand there's not much you can do, but try. And the way Wikipedia works, if this stuff wasn't true, it would have been... Well, indisputably true. Right. I mean, like, super right. true. Right, yeah. If it wasn't very easily, documentably true, they would have pushed it out of there already. Wow, that is something. Yeah. Yeah. You're not going to hear that on the news tonight, unfortunately. Remember that stat we had uh, a week or so ago about two-thirds of Americans think the country's going to hell or something like that? It's out of control. Out of control. That's right. That kind of fits in with the latest polling on whether or not people think it's a good time to buy a house. It's the lowest it's been maybe ever. Well, right. Maybe 1861. You you combine that with uh, you're being ordered to say that a man is a woman and a woman is a man. That's kind of out of control. Right. That's a lot of stuff. A lot yeah. of big stuff. Anyway, uh, more on that on the way. Stay with us. Armstrong and Getty. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rock the baby to sleep and slam dunk. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
Armstrong and Getty Show. So that's the cool new, I paused it up on the TV, that's the cool new system that we just gave the Ukrainians. Uh, that's the uh, anti-aircraft missile system, but look, it's on the back of a Humvee, so you can drive around with it. It's mobile, yeah, as opposed to just the Patriot battery system that we sent them. So that's uh, really given the Ukrainians some uh, ability to well, go different places and shoot different things out of the sky. But we're going to be talking to Mike Lyons coming up next segment about all that sort of stuff. I wonder what that thing costs a guy. I could use one of those. <laughs> I'm thinking it's super expensive. Mm. One of the Patriot batteries that we sent them got damaged yesterday, but we're trying to fix it as fast as we can because they're super crazy expensive. Um, I'm also interested in the, the question. One question I have for Mike Lyons is, is this the big uh, offensive or not? Be kind of funny if it turns out it is. Mm-hmm. We told you it wasn't. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I guess. But again, the, the truth is the last thing that ought to pass Zelensky's lips in oh, terms yeah. of when they're going to attack and wow or whatever. No, the time to get to the truth is in history books when the war is over. Right. To find out what actually happened there. So there's all kinds of the, the, the bad polling out there about people's attitudes towards things, right? Um, uh, two-thirds of Americans think the, the country's going to hell or whatever that was. Out of control. <laughs> Out of control. Right track, wrong track. Highest numbers it's ever been, like 90% think that we're on the wrong track. It's been that way now for several years. Uh, only 5% of Americans want Biden and Trump to run against each other, and that's the most likely thing to happen at this point. Anyway, this is a new one from Gallup, who's been asking this for at least 50 years. Is it, is it a good time to buy a house? In general... Do you think that now is a good time or a bad time to buy a house? And the number is uh, significantly less than half of what it was after the big housing crash. The, the or during the housing crash. People saying, yes, it's a good time to buy a house. Yes, yeah. yeah. It's sub, like, 08? Oh, by far! It's not even close. Oof. So looking at this chart, it's hard to nail it down, but in that range, the lowest number was at about 50%. About half of people thought, I don't think it's a good time to buy a house. And half of people thought, I think it's a good time to buy a house. Well, now it's 21% of Americans think it's a good time to buy a house. It's by far the lowest number we've ever had. Well, that's, and so, that's, that, wait a minute, you've got to give us a second. That's That's like your spouse saying... I'm twice as angry as I was the day you sold the children. <laughs> I mean, the housing crash right. was historic. Yeah, yeah, I know. A panic. That's why it's so amazing. Wow. Well, this is such a weird real estate market. How are you going to leave your 3% mortgage for either half the house of the same payment why would or you do twice that? the payment? <laughs> right. Oh, how long will it take to shake this out? Seventy-five years. <laughs> I don't there know. You go plan accordingly. Well, so you think that's what's playing into it, or I? I, just... I know that's a huge factor. Yeah, the inventory is crazy low for that reason. Yeah, people are like, "All right, I'll sell my house to you, but where am I going to go?" Well, all national numbers on real estate are pointless. Unless you're like some sort of big firm or something like it. But but like me individually, I'm looking for a house. I'm currently a renter and, you know, it only matters in my town and really even in a couple of neighborhoods of the town I, I'm looking in. Mm-hmm. But the houses are gone in on average a week. They're going for over the asking price 
always. And you're right. The interest levels are what they are. So, listen, I'm not going to tell you how to live your life, but I noticed the uh, the junky RVs are back right up the block. Have you considered the uh, the street RV life? It's economical. And then how do you choose your school district? You just make sure you park your RV in the school district? Just drive to it as needed. (laughs) We're in the district now. Yes, I have a home in this district. I'm in it. (laughs) Leaning out my window talking to you, you fool. I just, so those are very concrete reasons to think it's a bad time to buy a house. I just wondered if some of it was just kind of a general, "Eh, things feel iffy to me, like everything's going to go to hell. Uh, Or it certainly could, yeah. Yeah, uh, generalized... uh, foreboding well yeah like the housing market could be fine but if you're worried you're going to lose your job you don't think it's a good time to buy a house oh right yeah yeah market could be fantastic in that case and you wouldn't the market's not fantastic no it's not um mike lyons next we're gonna learn some stuff about what's going on in ukraine if you miss an hour of the show or this next interview you can get in the podcast armstrong and getty on demand armstrong and getty If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slammed up. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Armstrong and Getty Show. Well, they created the Russia hoax because they thought the Russians or someone else were going to release Hillary Clinton's real emails. That's why they created this this scheme. 2020, they did the same thing. And what they've done is they've poisoned millions of Americans' minds where you have so many people out there that I bet we did a poll today, you probably still have half of America who still thinks that Trump and Republicans have something to do with Russia. Works better with the microphone on. Uh, that's Devin Nunez. Um, and I think he's right. I think he's absolutely right. Um, do, do we have the clip? 
of when... Oh, no, I think it's from Matt Taibbi. Uh, it's in print. We'll get to that in a second or two. Uh, the Durham report out. The fallout has been every bit as interesting to me as the report itself. First, let us return to yesteryear. This is Adam Schiff over and over and over again back in 2016, 17, 18, 45. There is ample evidence of collusion. Well, I think there is direct evidence in the emails uh, from the Russians uh, through their intermediary offering dirt on Hillary Clinton as part of what is described in writing as the Russian government effort to help elect Donald Trump. Well, you know, I think you have to look at the pattern and the chronology. The Russians offered help. The campaign accepted help. The Russians gave help. And the president made full use of that help. And that is pretty damning. I can certainly say with confidence that there is significant evidence of collusion uh, between the campaign and Russia. That's the chairman of the House Intelligence Committee lying over and over and over again. It's no way to run a government. He is not a long ball hitter. I, I really don't think that's the issue here, sir, but... It might be the way to run politics, though, if there's no price to be paid for it. Oh, agreed. Yeah, I it's mean, if you're despicable. Being, yeah, it's despicable if you're being Machiavellian. Yeah, yeah. It's despicable, indefensible, unpatriotic. But if it works, it works. Uh, some great writing on the Durham report from liberal Matt Taibbi. I'll just dip into some of this. If we did one of those four-hour, you know, long... No break podcast. I just read this whole thing because it's brilliant as usual with with Matt. He says, I read special counsel John Durham's report on the matters, blah, 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 yesterday in a state I can only describe as psychic exhaustion. As Sue Schmidt's eight key takeaways summary shows, and I'll get to that in a minute, uh, the stuff in this report should kill the Trump-Russia conspiracy theory ten times over. But we know better than that. This story never dies. Every time you shoot at it, it splits into six new deep state fantasies. I've given up. Nearly seven years ago, this idiotic tale dropped in my relatively uncomplicated life like a grenade, upending professional relationships, friendships, even family life. Those of us in the media who were skeptics or even just uninterested were cast out from as from a religious sect. Colleagues unironically called us denialists, denounced in the best case as pathological wreckers and refuseniks, in the worst as literal agents of the FSB. Boy, anybody who said, you know, this story doesn't seem to hold water. The mainstream media would say, you are an agent of the FSB. Mm -hmm. Especially through March 22, 2019, when the devastating news broke that the report special counsel Robert Mueller would be delivered without new indictments. The vehemence of this national wig out was breathtaking. National wig out. (laughs) Jail Trumpism truly became a religion during this time. I remember walking down the corridor of our Jersey City apartment building to walk the dog, hearing Rachel Maddow's nightly crazy casts blasting out from behind door after door. Um... News was an endless Millerite sit-in with anchors daily preaching the beginning of the end. Uh, that's, that's what I used to mock all the time with the MSNBC Brian Williams show that he would start every night. History will record this day as the end of the Trump administration. As the news has come out, something, 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 Russia, something, something, indictments, likely something. I don't know how many times he played that card. It was like it was on a loop. Yeah. Uh, early on, CNN pired the, pioneered the now common practice of knocking on the doors of people accused of heretical beliefs, sending reporter Drew Griffin to Florida to confront a clueless elderly Trump supporter about 
attending a Trump rally purportedly organized by Internet Research Agency. Uh, on TV, people with familiar campaign trail scribe, oh, people like familiar campaign trail scribe John Heilman wondered aloud about California's Devin Nunez. Is it possible that we have an actual Russian agent running the House Intel Committee on the Republican side? Wow. That's John Heilman, who's lost his mind. Nunez fell under suspicion because he was the first to start disclosing facts Durham just fleshed out in detail. That the criminal investigation of Donald Trump was based on vapor, a conspiracy theory concocted by actually colluding Confederates in the Clinton campaign, CIA, FBI, and news media. Remember, at one time it was denied that the Clinton campaign was connected at all to the famous Steele dossier, which was used to dupe, we hope, the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Court into approving electronic monitoring in the Trump-Russia investigation. As even Maggie Haberman put it, folks involved in funding this lied about it and with sanctimony for a year. So he goes on in his his brilliant fashion. It's really good writing. Um, I think you might get paywalled. I'll try to post it. And then you have the eight takeaways from the Durham report, which I'll just touch on very briefly. One, there's no valid predicate for the investigation, and the FBI knew it. Long quote. It is the office's assessment that the FBI discounted or willfully ignored material information that did not support the narrative of a collusive relationship between Trump and Russia. Uh, similarly, similarly, the FBI Inspection Division report said the investigators repeatedly ignored or explained away evidence contrary to the theory that the Trump campaign had conspired, etc. It appeared there was a pattern of assuming nefarious intent. In a way, that's not right. Well, and the question I don't hear asked is, how often does the FBI do this with sto- with people you don't ever hear about? People you don't care about? Some, you know, CEO of some big company or something like that. Right. Where they make up a reason to tap his phone because they think, yeah, he seems fishy to me. How often does that happen, I wonder? Well, <clears throat> you certainly can't give the benefit of the doubt. No. If something this horrendous happens on this high level. Uh, another couple of takeaways. There's nothing to this, but we have to run it to ground. And they have some actual email conversations between... That was uh, Strzok. He said that. Yeah, that's right. Um, and here's one of my favorite... Uh, one of the Australian diplomats told the FBI team that the paragraph 5 information was written in an intentionally vague way because of what Papadopoulos did and did not say... Um, uh, British intelligence could not believe the Papadopoulos bar conversation was all there is. Here's a message exchange between the attache and supervisory agent shows the Americans were as skeptical as the Brits. Dude, are we telling the Brits everything we know or is there more to this? Special Agent 1 said, that's all we have. Uh, not holding anything back. Damn, that's thin. I know. It sucks. These are FBI agents. But we're being ordered to run it to ground. FBI agents accurately uh, reading the uh, the seriousness of the situation. Saying, dude, this is thin. This is yeah, it? No, this is it. It sucks. Point number four, Trump campaign investigation was premised on raw, unanalyzed, and uncorroborated intelligence. And U.S. intel agencies possessed no actual evidence of collusion when the probe began. They go into the details. Five sensational stories published in the New York Times in February and March 2017 claiming Trump associates were in contact with Russian intelligence agents were false. 100% false. Six, FBI Director Comey pushed heavily for an investigation of Carter Page starting in April 2016 when Page was a government witness in an espionage investigation of Russian diplomats. So 
Comey absolutely was at the helm of this. Carter Page, his life has been ruined financially having to defend himself. Yep. Seven, at the direction of the FBI, confidential human source Stephen Halper recorded lengthy conversations with Carter Page and George Papadopoulos in which each denied the campaign had any involvement with Russian officials, but that was quashed. And eight, Durham was highly critical of the FBI's startling and inexplicable failure, that's a quote, to investigate the so-called Clinton intelligence plan. In July 2016, U.S. intelligence agencies obtained insight into Russian intelligence analysis, alleging Hillary Clinton approved a campaign plan to stir up a scandal against Trump by tying him to Putin and the Russians' hacking of the Democratic National Committee. They had that, but ignored that. Okay? This is all from the incredibly respected John Durham report. Now, that was all a setup, too. Ladies and gentlemen, how the media has reacted to the Durham report after a brief word from our friends at Warrior Foundation Freedom Station. This is a wonderful opportunity to be a hero. Every day in America, we lose the lives of 22 warriors, but you can help stop that. Yeah, we lose the lives of 22 warriors, and for $22 a month, you can help Warrior Foundation Freedom Station turn that around, change the lives of our nation's ill and injured warriors. Yeah, it's often not the physical injuries that uh, get the warriors. It's the hopelessness, the invisible scars, feeling they walk this world alone, stop the epidemic. Uh, Early intervention is the key, and your donation can create an environment for success by providing warriors with access to transitional housing before receiving their medical discharge. If you haven't been listening for years, this is an organization we've worked with for many, many years. We've visited it. We believe in it as much as I believe in anything. Freedom Station residents find a loving place in which to live, learn, grow, heal, and successfully move on to the next chapter of their lives. This is not that similarly named organization. Warrior Foundation Freedom Station. Remember that. WarriorFoundation.org to donate 22 bucks a month. WarriorFoundation.org. Before, before you get to the, that mm-hmm. part, here's the Wall Street Journal's editorial board conclusion on the Durham report. The Russia collusion fabrication and deceptive sale to the public is a travesty that shouldn't be forgotten. That Washington's establishment refuses to acknowledge its role in this deceit is one reason so many Americans don't trust public institutions. It will take years for honest public servants to undo the damage. But the Durham accounting is a start. Yeah, and I'm not optimistic. That's that's the thing that the perpetrators of this, whether you're talking about Adam Schiff or the Washington Post, democracy dies in darkness, BS. What a crock. They've done so much damage to people's belief in any institutions. And yeah, it'll take generations to turn that around. I'll never believe the FBI, the mainstream media, anybody ever again. Why would I? Well, and if you were part of the grand lie, the last thing you would do is admit to it. 46, Michael. What you have with John Durham is like it's a big fat nothing. Look, this is a predictable, sad ending to an investigation that never should have taken place. And we see the results today and the results are clearly that he didn't come up with anything. We knew from the very beginning exactly what John Durham was going to conclude. And that's what we saw today. We knew from the very beginning this was never a legitimate investigation. This was a political errand. That's what Mr. Durham has done. That is some of the most 
astoundingly black and white dishonesty I have ever heard from multiple media figures who do millions, if not billions of dollars of business. They're lying. They lied. They're exposed as liars. And again, the last thing they're going to do is admit it. So part of it, I think, might be this this this, this turn we've taken as a country toward uh, everything being a conversation as if we're lawyers. So if it's not prosecutable or a crime, well, then there was nothing there. All kinds of people can do all kinds of horrible things that either aren't actually a crime or a provable crime can be incredibly unethical. Right. You know, you have opened a can of worms or whoop ass or Pandora's box or something. We ought to take a break and come back. I think this may be one of the most important things you've ever observed. Wow. That's something. Uh, that's heavy, I'm man. honored to have been here to witness it. <laughs> that's next. Armstrong and Getty. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slammed dunk. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Armstrong and Getty Show. So the AI hearings continue to go on in front of the Senate something or other committee, a bunch of old people who don't know how to send email talking to AI experts about how that's going to turn out. That's harsh. But some of the experts and the things they're saying are frightening. We'll get that in hour three of the Armstrong and Getty Show. One more note I left out of the Durham uh, report discussion. The CIA sent a memo to Peter Strzok saying it had intel that Clinton was trying to frame Trump for Russia ties. Strzok concealed it from the team tasked with investigating Russia, 
when one agent found out he felt so betrayed that he stormed out and Strzok's order not to put anything in writing, quote, was the most inappropriate operational or professional statement he had ever heard at the FBI, said an FBI lawyer. Nothing to see here. No indictments. Waste of taxpayer (laughs) money. Unbelievable. So the point that you know, leapt into my head, and it's one of my favorite, like, big, broad, thinky principles, is that we've moved in this country from morality enforced by law to just legalism. Yeah, and, that's and absolutely right. You made a great point about if there's no prosecution, there's nothing there. I mean, just... Again, sickening, uh, uh, inappropriate, uh, unprofessional, blah, blah, blah. People are like, anybody getting indicted? No. And the problem with that, obviously, especially as kids grow up in that world, is they think, well, if it's not illegal, it's not wrong. That is absolutely right. That's why talking to lawyers drives me nuts. That's the way they're trained to look at the world. No, that's okay. There's no law against that. Uh, they shouldn't do that. Well, they can do that. Right. No, that, that doesn't, <laughs> those are different things. Right. And therefore, anything that's legal must be fine. Right. Marijuana, you know, prostitution in a lot of places. If it was wrong, it would be illegal. And if it's not illegal, it's not wrong. Yes, we have moved way down that road. Absolutely. Yeah, I don't know if that there's any undoing it. You know, I used to half crank out gazillions of more lawyers and see if that helps. Oh, yeah. I used to half jokingly say I was going to move to uh, Paraguay or Uruguay. <laughs> I can never remember which. <laughs> Boy, really nail that down before you get there. It's, at one point, uh, Craig, the healthcare guru, and I were uh, throwing data back and forth to each other about the best place for expats, American expats, to live. And there were a couple of countries like. Um, uh, Costa Rica used to come up, but it got too expensive. Uh, Panama, I think. Uh, some of them are a little questionable. There's a couple parts of Mexico that have a huge number of expats. But the reason I was semi-seriously looking at it, and just semi, was that the United States of America is a landmass and a set of ideas. And if the set of ideas goes away from the land mass. Am I just going to stay out of fondness for the geography? If right. it's the ideas I cherish, you cherish, we cherish. What tells the what does it matter what uh, you know, uh latitude I'm at. What 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 my GPS coordinates are. If I can find liberty, morality, family somewhere else, why not? Unfortunately, there aren't a lot of great choices on Earth. Oh, one more note, speaking of morality, and then we'll move on. I'm not going to belabor this. Did a tremendous amount of reading yesterday on a couple of topics. One we've already talked about. The other one was something that ought to be 10 minutes of every newscast every single day in America. Every single newscast. Adolescent mental health. Oh, boy. I spent uh, quite an afternoon on dealing with this yesterday. The rise in the rates of suicide among American teenagers, it's risen 8% a year 
for several straight years. This should be the only story we're talking about. We should table everything until we as a people come to some sort of understanding of this. But like I said, I wasn't going to labor it. Maybe more later. Mike Lyons coming up. Talk about Ukraine. That should be interesting. Is the greatest home run hitter in baseball set the all-time record last year for a season? A cheater? What? That's a story that's burbling up in Major League Baseball. Oh, no. I'm going to talk about the AI thing, which is highly troubling, as more experts warn of the doom coming from that. I think you're trying to scare us with that. I think it's going to be fine. I think our computer overlords will be kind and benevolent. Most, It's most definitely not going to be fine. Uh, if you miss an hour of the show, grab the podcast Armstrong and Getty On Demand. Armstrong and Getty. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine you ask two people the same seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including Courtney Cox, Rob Delaney, Liz Fair, and many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.